Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to Daily Daf Differently. Jeremy Kalmanowski with you here, studying Tractate Yoma, page 54, or Nun Dalit. This page contains what, in my humble opinion, is the most daring, sort of radical midrash that I can think of in rabbinic literature, a nexus point of uh, eros and esoterica. Uh, I hope you enjoy it, but we'll get there in one second. First, we have to talk about another kind of esoterica. The Talmud picks up at the end of the previous page and onto our page now with speculation on the fate of the Aron, the, the Holy Ark from the First Temple. Did it go into exile in Babylonia? Was it hidden somewhere within the Temple precincts? Our page relates a story, which you may remember if you studied Tractate Shkalim with us, that, uh, that it was hidden underneath a kind of odd paving stone in the Temple precincts, and when a Kohen Gadol, when a Kohen, not Gadol, regular Kohen, Kohen Hediot, tried to point it out to somebody else, said, what's, what's up with that funny paving stone over there? Zap! He also, he also was, uh, his life was taken because the, uh, Aaron was supposed to be kept secret. It's the biggest secret of all. That would make us think that, uh, the Aaron is not something that is supposed to be seen by common people. In fact, the Torah itself uh, relates that when the priests or the Levites are packing the temple up, people are not supposed to see the temple accoutrement. And yet, here comes the amazing Midrash. Uh, the sages also tell us, Rav Katina says, and I'm now here, if you're looking on the page, I'm on Nundal, about three quarters of the way down in the wide lines. Amar Rav Katina, Bisha'asha ayu Yisrael olin la when Israel came, uh, ascended uh, to pilgrimage in Jerusalem, they would roll back the curtain in the Holy of Holies, they would show the two cherubs on the on the kaparet, uh, on the on the cover of the ark, which you may remember from Exodus, are supposed to be a single beaten single piece of beaten metal with both to the left and to the right arching winged uh, uh, angelic creatures. Shehayu me'urim zebazeh, the two uh, angels were, the two kruvim were mixed together at their base, that is to say they had faces and wings up at the, up at the edge, but they shared a common base. The omrim lahem, and the, peop- and the priest would say to the people, re'u chibatchem lifnei makom See, Jewish people, that you are as beloved before Hamakom, the place, that is to say God, as the love of male for female. So think about the image of the cherubs. They are separate wings, separate faces at the edges, but they share a common base. In other words, like a love of male for female, that common base they are seen to be in a kind of erotic Interpenetration there in, a, in an erotic pose. Uh, the Talmud will go on and wonder some 
if I may say, some kind of picayune questions, is that the first temple, but then there was no curtain, or the second temple, but then the cherubs weren't there. These are, these are uh, rather small questions on a rather massive midrashic idea that at the heart of the, at the heart of the Holy of Holies, at the heart of the temple, was an erotic statue of uh, an angels that was supposed to symbolize divine and human love. In fact, we have a quotation down at the very last line of our page uh, from, from the book of Kings that says it is like a man being uh, poured into his consort. That is to say, another erotic image. Later on, on the, on the next, on the B side of the page, Reish Lakish gives us an even more self-critical image. Reish Lakish says, When the Gentiles entered the temple, presumably he means uh, Nebuchadnezzar, uh, in the first temple, although it possibly means the Romans, and they saw the cherubs in this erotic embrace, and they brought them out to the public market, the Amru, and they said, Yisrael halalu shibirkatan bracha vekilalatan klala. Israel, whose blessing is blessing, whose curse is curse, that is to say, they're not hypocrites, they're very honest and upright people. Yasku batvarim halalu? Could the Israelites, who are so honest and, and have so much integrity to their religion, uh, be engaged in such quasi-pagan uh, imagery? Miyad hizilum. They, they immediately uh, uh, despised the Israelites. All who once on this is a quotation from the book of Echa, Lamentations. All of her former admirers now uh, despised her when they saw her nakedness. Okay, this is this is really an amazing, uh, amazing set of midrashim and midrashic ideas from the rabbis. You may remember that in the Torah. It says that at the three pilgrimage festivals, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God on pilgrimage festivals. That's what the pilgrimage festival is. You show up. And, uh, and the way our Torah reads now, it says, in the passive voice, all of your males should appear. Bible scholars have always speculated that uh, and in its original deep, deep, deep ancient articulation, it didn't mean that they were supposed to appear before the Lord. By the way, the word et doesn't work with the passive voice in that sentence. It must, must, makes much more sense if the original Bible text said that people should come on pilgrimage to see the Lord, not appear before the Lord. Obviously, by the time you know Judaism grew and the Bible was, was refined, people no longer thought you could see God, but... Our text, Rav Katina's midrashic, daring midrashic idea, I would think probably re recovers or restores or has a fragment or a remnant of the most ancient sense that what happened on pilgrimage is that people came to see a vision of something representing God. Reish Lakish on the back page gives voice to the, the rabbinic uh, normative or, or quote-unquote orthodox view that that's really rather embarrassing that we who are anti-pagans and who are anti-idolatrous 
have a, a part of our temple accoutrements, our temple decoration, our sacred objects that really kind of looks an awful lot like a pagan, a pagan idol, especially with the obvious erotic uh, uh, posture. Hieros gamos, or the sacred marriage, that's, that's what those pagans do. They imagine the male god and the female god in, in, uh, you know, in, in sexual poses or whatever, the marriage that gives fertility to the world. But we Jews don't believe that, do we? Well, we actually have a remnant of it. We have a remnant of it right on our page that the cherubs in the temple were representing, and, and I think Rav Katina really must be intuitively quite correct that the cherubs in our in our ancient temple probably did have a quasi-pagan or the, what looks to us in modern times a quasi-pagan approach that there that there is a a male and female uh image in the in the kruvim and a sexual relation between them and that is exactly at the very heart of sanctity in the temple those of you who know something about the kabbalah know that that is the central myth of the Kabbalah, of Shekhinah and, and Tiferet, of the male face of God, Tiferet, and the female face, Shekhinah, coming into erotic embrace. That's the whole point of religion, according to the Zohar. The Zohar is picking up on exactly this rather secret, rather daring, rather amazing, rather creative uh, teaching on our page. And, and just to hasten to remind you once again that Reish Lakish on the second page gives us the anxiety the modern Jew feels. We did what? We had what as part of our of our religion? And yet there it is. See it's not always it's not always what you expect in this book. Thanks for learning today's page with me, and I look forward to learning with you again tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One B. Available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.